When you go to different places in the world, you see different cultures. We have a, a tremendous benefit um, being uh, brought up in the United States of America. I don't mean this in any way bad, just positive, but you'll go to places and people will be drawn. As they said, children are drawn. They've never seen an American. Sometimes they've never seen a blonde-haired person. We went to the Philippines. Uh, I took my daughter, Caitlin, to the Philippines, who, if you know her, she's six foot, blonde hair, and the Filipinos are like this. And so we went to the island, and uh, she was like the Pied Piper, and she had kids following her everywhere. And uh, so, I mean, they become captive audience, and when you tell them about Jesus, they're just listening, uh, you know. And so we know, you know, not to, to make that, but Paul went places, and when Paul did things, people would follow him, and they would look up to him. And the one qualification he always had to say, there was miracles, there were signs, wonders, he'd preach the gospel. He'd, they, they would want to say, oh, you're so great. He'd have to say, no, it's Jesus that we're looking to. But sometimes you go and you have such a difference and you have an influence that people will just come. And as long as when they come, we utilize that influence to point them to Jesus, it's just amazing. You know, we went to Africa, and I think somebody said that in the neighborhoods, in these things that they were doing uh, here, that then they would, out of that um, meeting or whatever, the neighborhood meeting, they, they were starting churches. And so, um, you know, I'll find out about that and, and what part we might have to play in that. But when we went to Africa, uh, specifically we teach in the Bible school, but our teams would go in and do crusades in villages. And from the salvation of those crusades, they would plant a church with the ministers that they had trained in the Bible school. And so we have seven churches that we have planted. When I was there, I was amazed. The first time I was there, I was asking. You can go ahead. And uh, uh, I was amazed. I was talking to the pastor, and we had the crusade. I said, what are you going to do after this crusade? And we went in, and we had church meeting that Sunday morning in this room that was probably some of you, uh, not all of you, but a couple of you, have a closet bigger than the, a walk-in closet bigger than the church building that they were trying to meet in. I said, well, what's your plan? He said, well, eventually the church will grow. We'll find another place and another place. And then we'll endeavor. It'll be hard, but we'll endeavor to buy land and then put up a building there. And so I said, well, what, what does a piece of land cost? What will it cost you by the end of doing that? He said, about $7,000 U.S. It just jumped up in my heart and said, we'll do that. We came here for a reason. And so I came home, and uh, within a week, we sent them $7,000. And so two years later, we went back and we dedicated that church. We had other groups go, and they would then do two crusades in uh, a, a week. They'd do two crusades. People would get saved, and then we would buy the land and uh, pay for the building. We didn't have to send teams. They would build it. They would build the church, and they'd put pastors in there, uh, but they're doing that. And so it's much farther reaching. If they plant churches in these communities, then they have a Bible school. They plant ministers there. I don't know exactly what they're doing, but it just continually grows and reaches out with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we're so thankful for Tony and Dunamis. We're thankful for those who were able to go uh, on that trip. And if you're like, man, I would like to do one of those. Uh, there's, there'll be more coming up. In fact, she may even have something planned in the spring. I don't know, but uh, they're always fun. Missions trips are always great. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, open your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And, uh, I'm going to wander around and then try to land on something here real quick. But um, praise the Lord. While you're turning there, just want to, we, we were praying the other morning. You know, we, we spent uh, just a little bit of time uh, on Sunday morning talking about the local church, the importance of the local church. Uh, that Jesus uh, mentioned or, or mentioned the church twice. Jesus did. The, the international church the, 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 from every age, every person, uh, in, in every place, uh, in every generation. When we're all gathered together, gather, uh, called out a gathering together is the church. We'll all be that universal church that comes together. But he also referred to the local church. And so there's much going on in the church today, gathering together the ch ch church universal. But as we were praying the other day, you know, if you'll notice that Jesus in, in Revelation, uh, right there at the beginning, Revelation chapter 2, uh, Jesus visited local churches. They didn't know he was visiting, but he was. And so he had John write a letter to the local churches in the stead of Jesus. If you look at it, uh, it's there. And so Jesus said there was particular things on those local churches in those communities. And because of what was uh, upon them and the influence, somebody say influence, 
the influence that he wanted them to have, there were specific things that were going on that he addressed in that for the influence of the local church. And so uh, I believe that even as we are praying and as we are looking to see what uh, God wants for us to do in the upcoming year, that you're mindful of what God is saying, where God has placed you, because there's correction, there's direction, so that we can have the influence that he's called us to have. If you'll notice, he said, if you don't, he said, I've come, I've seen what you're doing, but more so, he said, I see the things that you have in error. He, so he always commended most of them. There was a couple of churches that weren't doing much that he could commend. But he would commend them, and he would say, but I have this against you. Now, see, if we're not careful, we think, well, Jesus didn't have anything against me. He said against the church, I have some things against you. He had sexual immorality against them. He had idol worship against them. And then he had the Laodicean church. He said, you have a lot of money. You have a lot of comfort. You have everything. And what I have against you is you don't think you need anybody or anything. And you've become lukewarm. And I will spew you out of my mouth. And so he warned them against lukewarmness, just being satisfied. And so I believe that God is looking at churches that he's planted, local churches, and the influence, somebody say influence, the influence that he desires to give that, those local churches. And it's come up over and over again about New Creation Church, influence that we are to have. And I believe the influence is not just this building, it has something to do with it, and the leadership here, but it's the influence that goes out from this place that is, is very critical. Praise the Lord. And so even in that, he talks about uh, the, the lampstand being the light, the influence. He said, if you don't change, if you don't hear what the Spirit of God is saying and make correction, I will remove your lampstand or I will remove your influence in those communities that I've called you to. And so I know uh, you're here on Sunday night. Nobody wants to lose the influence. But I believe that God's not only giving us influence as a, as a church, as a whole, but he wants to create avenues of influence for you. How many of you have people in your life? <laughs> Some of you don't have anybody. And we'll pray for you. We will pray for you. But you have people you interact with. You have people that you work around. How many of those people in your life, uh, uh, could you raise a hand and say, there's people in my life who don't know Jesus? How many of you could say, there's people in my life that are struggling? See, God wants to give you influence in their life. And so I believe we are coming upon a time, we've said this year after year, that God is preparing you for what he's prepared for you so you occupy that place you're not occupied by it. And we've run into some things thinking, you know, we were prepared and we hit some times and I don't, uh, you know, as I look back and reflect, not to be hard, we weren't as prepared as we thought we were. Didn't know how to handle it. Uh, uh, you know, COVID came, we didn't really know how to handle it. We did the best that we could. But if we were to grade ourselves, I wouldn't say, you know, we really occupied that as effectively as we thought we might if something like that came along. Amen. And so, uh, you know, the enemy is subtle. So we can say, boy, I'll just take that on. I'll do that. But then he comes from an area like COVID, and nobody knew about COVID. Nobody had anything like that happen before. And so you always have to step back and go, what in the world's going on? But then you have to really grab a hold and say, okay, what are we going to do and how are we going to move forward? And so I believe there's things like that that are ahead. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, like I said, just stay with me. These thoughts might not connect for you, but I'll try to bring together what I want to encourage us to do uh, today. If you came and said, man, I've been loving that spirit within, um, we're still talking about that just a little bit. You just have to connect the dots. But he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. And he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Somebody say the ministry of reconciliation. So if you're born again, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I know this sounds elementary, but just stay with me. Don't fall asleep on me. Uh, if you have accepted Jesus Christ, 
you have been reconciled to God. And because of that, you've been reconciled to God. You're happy that now you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. His blood washed you of all sin. You're happy about that, and you should be happy about that. But when that happened, something on the inside said, hmm, there's something more for me to do. I'm glad I have a relationship with God. Some people aren't even sure about that. They're just glad they're going to heaven. But if you look down on the inside, there's something churning on the inside that says, and now you have something to do. And many Christians are like, I just want to know what to do. I don't know what to do. I want to know what God called me to do. I want to know what God's will is for my life. Well, first and foremost, to serve that spot on the inside of you, he already told us right here. He said, and I have given you with being reconciled to me what came along with that is a ministry of reconciliation so every single person before you try to figure out whether you're an apostle a prophet evangelist or pastor or teacher what's God's will for my life what am I called to we are all called to the ministry of reconciliation and so some will say well what's that I'm so glad that you asked. And God is too, because he explains it right here if we just keep reading. That's the wonderful thing about the Bible, is if you actually keep reading, he tends to explain himself, especially the Apostle Paul. But many times we quit reading. And he says he's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. In other words, he said, this is the ministry of reconciliation. You tell somebody, God loves you. He sent Jesus to die for you so you wouldn't have to go to hell. And when then they say, well, I just don't believe that. I believe if God loves people, he wouldn't send them to hell. And then you have the ministry of reconciliation to say, God's not sending anybody to hell. You're choosing to go. And then they would say, I would never choose to go to hell. And then you say, great, you want to accept Jesus. And they say, well, no, I'm not sure. And, and then we just say, but God not wanting you to go to hell, sent Jesus. So your trespasses would not be held against you, but they would be forgiven. And you'd no longer be separated from God, but you'd be joined to him because he loves you so much. Somewhere we got the pointing of the finger and said, you're going to hell. That's not effective ministry of reconciliation. <laughs> God actually said, I don't want you to go to hell. Adam's sin was taking you there, but Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection is there to rescue you so you'll never have to go. And not only that, so you don't have to go to hell, but you'll get to have fellowship with God from this day throughout eternity. You get to be a son and a daughter of God. See, that's not so hard when you tell somebody the good news. We're usually intimidated by ministry or witnessing to people because we don't know how to tell them, we don't know how to handle what they're going to say because we already pretty much think we know what they're going to say. I don't believe in that stuff and hell and all that stuff. But when you share with them from the love of God, the love that God has for them, that God doesn't want one person to go to hell. So he sent Jesus. Well, I, I just don't think a God who loves people would send them to hell. He's not. Sin takes people to hell. Adam's sin broke relationship with God. Our choice to follow after Adam's sin, not knowing or knowing, is what takes people to hell. God's not sending them. But he did send Jesus to rescue people from hell. And not just rescue them, but to bring them into relationship and to make them righteous. Praise the Lord. Are you all with me? He says, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Isn't that good? As though God were pleading through us. 
How many of you looked at people that you work with that aren't born again and something stirred, you just wanted to plead with them? Come on, God starts to do something in us and he says, I want you to plead. We're like, you know, I don't think they want this. I don't know. I had this picture when I was praying one day, haven't quite reconciled all this in my mind, but literally, uh, stand up for a minute. I saw myself going, come on, come on, make Jesus the Lord of your life. Please make Jesus the Lord of your life. I said, really, God? He said, that's how much I love them. I'm sending people to plead with them. Not say, ah, if you don't want him, fine. I'm going to heaven, you go ahead and go to hell. No, he said, we're ambassadors as if God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Please be reconciled to God. For he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Wow. That's awesome. I believe God is restoring in our hearts. We're coming upon a new year. He's restoring in our hearts an understanding of the influence and the impact that we can have on people. That he's opening our eyes to begin to see people moving, coming and going and moving around and recognize and notice an opportunity to share the love of God with somebody. He's not given you or given me the spirit of timidity, but he's given us the spirit of power and of love and of a well-disciplined mind. We pray for you and ourselves that he would grant unto you boldness to speak his word. Not brashness. And I'm not talking about personality. Some people are like, that's easy. That's easy for someone with that personality. But I'm just, I'm just really not that bold. Right. But when the grace of God comes upon you, when you look at somebody and God begins to move and implore through you. There's a boldness because we're seeing into eternity. We're seeing into eternity. And we, as I believe, having the heart of Christ, we wouldn't desire, if we knew, if we saw what really God's seeing around us, we would not desire and understand this. I know that there's people that make you angry, people that frustrate you. Uh, uh, you know, I know it's hard to believe, but people do frustrate me and make me angry. But even those people, if you knew and understood eternity, even those people, you would not wish upon them hell. And so it's easy when we're just consumed with our own thinking and how people should influence us and bless us to get lost in that and not really care. But I believe that God is bringing us to a place of caring just in the day-to-day, -day, just the people that we work with, the people we work for, the people we live around. Just take that place to say, I'm going to take some time, I'm going to separate myself unto some things to see, God, what influence, what sphere of influence you're truly creating for me. It's not about you. It's about an influence upon others that you might have. And I believe some of you are going to be surprised at the sphere of influence that you'll see that he created for you. You'll say, really? That's the place? Those are the people? But when you see it and you know it, man, there'll be a great change in how you view it in the heart of God. And so I just want to encourage us. 
I said this a couple weeks ago, had a conversation uh, with uh, some people this week. Uh, they said that they had had that on their heart uh, again. But I want to, we're, we're just about to enter into December. I don't have an organized plan. We'll try to get something to you. But I don't want to wait until January 1st to begin to pray for 2023. I, I really had an unction. Tasha can tell you it's uh, these things I don't move super quickly about. I'm trying to ask God, well, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to bring it together? But for months, you know, I just told her, I don't think we're going to have that same kind of prayer at the beginning because I want to start praying before January 1st. I don't want it to be a tradition to where we, well, let's just start the year in prayer. And then we're basically a month behind. And because we're a month behind, we're starting the new year and we're not even really, you know, focused on what we're praying as much as we could be. And so I want to talk just a little bit. We might carry this over into next week, but I want to talk about praying and setting ourselves to pray. Because when you begin to pray, and you begin to pray in, into 2023, and th that's really what I'm thinking, praying into the new year. Praying, giving ourselves to pray into the new year. And that we start it in a certain way, rather than going, God, you know what? Uh, uh, you, you know, listing all, all the things that you want God to talk to you about <laughs> and to give you vision about to first start off in this way. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs chapter 5. Excuse me, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Even if you have to lay some of these scriptures out in front of you as you begin praying, start Monday, tomorrow. If not, set on your calendar. If you're too busy to start praying, then set it for next Monday. You can come in and join us. We Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're here praying uh, corporately. Praise the Lord. But start your thinking concerning praying into next year in this way. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, somebody say all of my ways. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. In all of your ways, in your life, my own personal conduct, my family, I'm going to acknowledge him. My church, I'm going to acknowledge him. My business, I'm going to acknowledge him. My friendships, I'm going to acknowledge him. We start off all my ways. Sometimes we're just praying into certain things. But in all my ways, I want to acknowledge you. Because in all of our ways then, he won't segment off. He will direct your path in all of your ways. Is that not what it says? And so many times we have even confusion as we're praying out a New Year's, we're praying out something because we have isolated a way that we want to give to him, but he's trying to pull another way in and we're like, no, no, that's not what I'm talking to you about, God. I want to know about this way. And he's like, yeah, but I need you to give me this way of your life in order to move in the way that you want me. You want to hear from me. You're not going to hear from me in this way unless you give me this way. Because this way is too all-consuming for you right now to even get understanding about what's going to happen over here. So people are confused. So many people have many irons in the fire. And God says, I want you to take every iron and commit it to me. Why? And I know why we don't. He's probably going to take an iron, my favorite iron, and take it out of the fire. Because we've got that mentality of God. God's going to take my favorite thing and take it away. But if he does, it's only because you've made that God, not him. And he'll readjust it. So I would never do that. The fact that you can't give that to him because you're afraid he'll take it away tells you it's not first place, or it's first place. All right, listen to this. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll direct your path. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. 
and it will be health to your flesh, strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions, with, all the, with the first fruit of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty, your vats will overflow with new wine. In other words, he says when you acknowledge him, when you honor him, he's going to create increase. But we're not just looking for increase, we're looking to him. Now, I know it's hard to disconnect. If I do that, I'll have increase. But it's just such a subtle thing to get over to increase. You cannot serve God and get into the things of God without God rearranging your life for some sort of increase. But when we get our eyes on the increase, then we're always trying to figure out how God will do what we want him to do to create the increase that we want. And generally, we end up way short of where God wanted us to be. I don't know about you, but in the upcoming years, I don't want to end up short of where God wants us to be. So I don't want to say, if we do this, I've got this figured out, God. I want to just say, here it is. Here's my ways. You start directing my paths. And I'll honor you. As you start doing things, I'll give it back to you. As you start showing me, I'll make sure I give it back to you. I'll give you the time. I won't take what you give me and get so occupied with it that I don't have time for you and with you. See, that's just a strategy of the enemy. Man, I'm praying, I'm praying. God gives me direction, and he begins to be increased, and now there's so much increase, I don't have time for God anymore. And the enemy flips the script. So we want to start with acknowledging him and honoring him. Why? Because he's going to do big things that will try to take our attention off of him. But if we do, it'll stay at what we think is a big thing, but God wants to do greater than we ever thought, dreamed, or imagined. Praise the Lord. He said, my son, do not despise, listen to this, do not despise the chastening of the Lord or detest his correction. Somebody say correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects. So you're going to have to battle that in your mind. As you acknowledge him in all your ways, and he says, I want you to correct a few things, you're going to have to be careful not to say, get thee behind me, devil. Because even though we don't think we've been conformed to the world, the world thinks if you get corrected, you don't love them. But God says, if I don't ever correct you, you better be careful. He said, whoever I love, I correct. Why? Because he wants you to have the very best. And he knows if you're going the wrong direction, if you're thinking the wrong things, you're saying the wrong things, you're doing the wrong things, you can't have the very best. So he corrects your course. He corrects my course, my words, my vision into his. Why? Because he loves us just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For his proceeds are better than the profits of silver and gain than fine gold. She's more precious than rubies and all the things that you might desire cannot compare to the wisdom that God wants to give you in moving forward. And you can continue to read that, but we're not going to. Psalms 37. Psalms 37. Now, again, I'm just going to reiterate this. I'm putting this in the context of beginning a season of prayer, praying into the upcoming year. So that we don't just say, you know what, let's wait till July. They'll they'll give us a sheet to pray. And we may come out with an outline if you don't know kind of what to pray or how to give you helps to do that. But what I'm trying to do today is to say, you know, we come on the first of the year, we're going to have 21 days of prayer, 10 days of prayer, and kind of get into that mode. I don't want to do that. I believe that the time that we're in right now, what God wants to do to shake us, awaken us, and get us to the place that we're occupying and influential rather than being occupied and driven off course is we're in a season of that. Whether we'll recognize how that season is changing and we come upon whatever it is, June, whenever it was this time next year, things will be different. Well, you just have to understand a year from whenever that was said or whenever you grabbed a hold of that, that this time next year, things will be different. They won't be different if we just think and do the same. 
but this time next year will be different if we do it different. And I've been praying about this and saying, God, you know, it's just easier to get through the holidays. Pray through the holidays? People can't pray through the holidays. Should we do fasting? Let's do 30 days of fasting through the holidays. <laughs> you know, just all the things that go on. I mean, I, I'd have to hear from heaven. If I did, I would do my best to obey God, even in the midst of losing everyone because you can't fast during Thanksgiving, can you? Um, certainly not. And in fact, you know, oh my gosh, we're not going to have fasting and prayer. What am I going to do? I'm going to pig out through Christmas. And then I always rely upon fasting at the beginning of the year for my dietary purposes. Well, that's not what it's for, for you to fast and wear off Christmas. (laughs) It's for us to focus on him instead of other things. And so I know it's a busy time to focus on him, but I really am impressed that we're supposed to begin now. And in beginning now to say, I'm focusing my attention. Yeah, but pastor, there's a lot going on. I know that. And what we fail to realize in many instances is God knows that. That's why he wants us to give all of that to him. So he can direct our paths. So that he can order our steps. Right? God orders the steps of a good man. Praise the Lord. So, as we begin, just like I said, you can put these scriptures out when you begin to pray and say, God, I'm, I want to give you all my ways right here. I'm looking for you to direct my paths moving into this year. And I know if I don't give them all to you, about the time you set my path over here, I'm going to all of a sudden go, oops, can't do that direction because I have this. Anybody ever done that? Anybody ever committed and said, God, I'll do that, and then you got home and went, oh, I can't do that. You looked at your calendar. (laughs) And, you know, God's really not the best person to go, God, I'll do that, and then later go, forgot I had something on the calendar. (laughs) I'll do that for you, God. Oh, can't. Already committed to something else. All right, so verse 1, Psalms 37. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. Come on, if you're not careful, you'll look at government and all that stuff, and you'll start getting fretful and saying, why? Look at these people. What are they doing? And he says, come on, get your attention off of all that. Get your attention off all that. What's going to happen to me now? Get your, get your attention off all that. Get your attention on him. Don't let all that direct your paths. Get your attention on him. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and withered as a green herb. So he said, you all are trying to figure out how you're going to maneuver. He said, forget about it. Verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. In other words, you get caught up on what everybody else is doing and how wrong it is and how bad it is. You'll find yourself not doing good, but in thinking you're combating evil, end up cooperating with evil. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. Come on, you said that for a reason. I'm moving. There's evil in this land. I'm moving. He said, trust in the Lord and stay in the land. (laughs) And feed on his faithfulness. Praise the Lord. The cord cord was creeping around my shoulder. They're about to rip my headset off. Trust in the Lord, do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Well, I don't know. How are we ever going to do it here? By feeding on his faithfulness. He's faithful even when we're faithless. He'll never deny himself. If he said he was going to do something right here in this land, then he's going to do it. If he promised it, then he'll perform it. Well, 
well, I'm here. God called me here. Then stay in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. We like that one. We like just that one part of that scripture. Not so much delighting in the Lord, but him giving us the desires of our heart. But it's all connected. If you're worried about evildoers and you're not trusting in the Lord, you're not remaining in the land, you're not feeding on his faithfulness, then you're probably not delighting in him, and then your desires are going to be out of whack. It all fits together. Now verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light. Whoo! Come on! Man, y'all didn't even get excited. He's going to bring your righteousness. Your relationship with God is going to come to light. It's going to be influential on people because you're dwelling in the land. You're feeding on his faithfulness. You've committed your ways to him, and now he's going to bring your righteousness to light. He's got a plan for influence, but you've got to quit worrying about everybody else and what they're doing. And trust in the Lord. Feed on his faithfulness. Remain where he's called you to do. Because he's planning on bringing your righteousness to a place of light. And your justice as noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. Because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from your anger, forsake wrath, do not fret, it only causes harm. And then I'm just going to quit right there, because you could just go on. So as we begin to pray, and again, I just encourage you to begin Monday. Well, I'm trying to figure out, God, if we're going to do this as a a corporate church, when and how. Pastor Tosh is even like, when are you going to do this? I said, if I get it, I get it. If I don't, I don't. But I believe we're going to start right here at the beginning of December. And so, you know, not everybody's going to have this same thing if they don't watch. But we can get this thing moving. As people begin to pray. We begin to trust in God. We begin to acknowledge him in all of our ways. We commit our ways to him. We focus. There's so much around us to say, what in the world is going on? And to say, I'm bringing this all into focus. I'm seeking first him and his kingdom and his righteousness and all the other stuff going to come as a matter of that putting first things first in priority. Praise the Lord. So turn over to Matthew chapter 6. Real quick, just give you a couple points here, just to get started. Matthew, the sixth chapter. Are you all doing all right? Praise the Lord. I'm really excited. If I'm too intense for you right now, I'm, I'm not meaning to be. I'm just excited. I believe that if we will follow this path of the Word of God, and we put the Word of God in our heart as we're talking about in the morning services, that uh, we'll begin to pray out God's word. We'll begin to declare what God has said about situations, and it's going to turn things around. It's going to shine light. When you're like, I don't even know, we commit that way to him, and all of a sudden we begin to pray out of our spirit the word of God concerning that, and all of a sudden that word will shine light on that area of our life as we pray, not, because, not figuring it out. All of a sudden by unction of the spirit of God, the scripture comes forth, and we all of a sudden go, wow, that shines light exactly on that and we're not going well I think the Lord said we're just like I know that I've been praying the word and I have light on it that's why those prayers of Paul are so important the Ephesian prayers God grant unto me he he prayed for the church you can grant unto me that spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you The eyes of my heart, the eyes of my understanding would be flooded with light that I might know what is the hope of your calling. And all of a sudden, you're just praying about every area of your life, and you've been praying about wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, and all of a sudden, it just seems like the veil gets pulled back, and you're like, ha-ha, I see it. 
But why? Because we've in, insisted that he's the forefront of our praying. I've committed this to you. I haven't said, God, here's what I'm doing, and, and I'm committed to doing it, and I sure hope you're committed to blessing it. I know nobody would say that, but the, the thinking and the attitude is, God, I got a plan for 2023, and I'm going to come talk to you about it and convince you to bless it. And then go, the Lord told me. Instead of saying, God, whatever it is, if it's outside of my thinking, show me your plan for my life. Because I know and I trust that your plan for my life is already blessed. I won't have to get you to bless it. Come on. Man, we labor a lot just trying to get God to bless something. If you're laboring hard to get God to bless it, it might not be his will for your life. Thank you for your enthusiasm. All right. Matthew chapter 6. He said, listen, we don't have to stand on the street corner. There's, a, there's corporate prayer. Jesus isn't talking about not having corporate prayer. He's talking about people religiously standing out and, and, and doing that. But there is something to the prayer closet. So you may be thinking, as we're talking about praying into 2023, you may be thinking about your personal prayer closet. If you're married, you may say, you know what, we want to get together and pray out some things for our life because we're one. But he said, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. Whoo, praise the Lord. Let's look at that secret place for a while. He said, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And he will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. Man, in that place of the secret place, you're like, woohoo! I'm in a secret place. And in that secret place, I'm under the shadow of the Almighty. And when I'm in my prayer closet, God is my refuge, my fortress, my God. It's in him that I put my trust. I'm ready. And when I see things come against me, they won't be able to stay. Come on, the psalmist says that, go to the 91st psalm, and he says, man, he who dwells in the secret place, and he says right here, when you pray, you get into that secret place. Why? Because in that secret place, you're covered with his wings. In that secret place, you can see things that otherwise you would not see out in the world. That's why your prayer closet is so dynamic, yet so confusing. Some people know what I mean. Some people don't. Man, you get into that place of prayer. You start praying. God starts showing you the way. And you're like, glory to God. You're shouting the victory. And then all of a sudden, you step out into your day. And you're like, my God. Was I wrong? Did I not hear from God? He said, come back tomorrow. <laughs> and then you go back tomorrow in the morning. And you're like, there it is. There it is. It's going to work. And then you step out from the shadow and you're like, oh my God, what is wrong with me? That's why he said, don't just make the secret place an hour in the morning, but dwell in the secret place. In other words, when you have that personal time and he shows you and you step out and you go, oh my God, you go, though I have to look at that, I'm looking it through the filter of his wings. All right, I got to figure out how to wrap this up. <laughs> Whoo, praise the Lord. Thank you. You and me will finish up later. All right. <laughs> All right. Dwells in the secret place. And your father who is in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetition as the heathen do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask. In this manner, therefore, pray. And then he goes through the Lord's Prayer, what we know is the Lord's Prayer. Funny thing, just a little anecdote here. He says, don't pray in vain repetition. And then religiously, we took what he said to pray, and we prayed it in vain repetition. Huh? I thought he just said, don't pray in vain repetition. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. He said, in this manner pray. Why? Because he's saying there's a whole heart to this thing. Not a rope, but a heart. So he says, start your praying. So we're acknowledging him, but he says, start your praying this way. 
our Father. The Almighty God, the God, creator of the heavens and the earth, has bestowed his love upon me and made me a child. Wow. That'll just get your praying off to a good start. Sit rushing in going, God, help! I need, I need, I need to stop and go, wow. The God who created the heavens and the earth and everything that in them is sent Jesus to die so I could be his son. Oh my God. Wow. Now I'm on a pretty good fitting or footing because if he would give Jesus to die for me, to make me his child, how would he ever withhold any good thing from me? So I'm not going in, come on, God, I need something. I'm like, here I am, daddy. I messed up big time. But I'm your son. Bought by the blood. And you, my father, you're the almighty God, the creator of all things. God, I got some big situations, but not one of my situations is bigger than you because you're the almighty God. See, sometimes we come in and our situation is this big and God's about a big enough God to fit in our pocket. Oh God, if you could do anything. And God's up there like, if I could do anything, I've pretty much done everything. <laughs> I mean, come on, I'm just trying to help you. I'm not trying to make fun of anybody. It's a lack of knowledge, but to come in and go, oh God, if you could just help me. And God's like, if I could help you. What do you mean if I could help you? I create, look around you. <laughs> That's what he had, had Abraham do when Abraham said, I, I don't even think I, okay, God, you just promised to make me the father of many nations, but how's that going to happen? You think you can? And he says, look around you, man. See those stars in the sky? I did that. You think there's a lot of them? I'm fixing to make you a lot of kids. So you think the fact that your wife can't have kids is a big deal when I promised you you'd be a father of many nations. But look around you. Look who you're talking to. And all of a sudden, there'll be an awe come over you. Not an unworthiness, an awe. Wow. That's why Jesus said, start this way. Because if you start with your needs, your wants, your inadequacies, you're just a worm, he said, you'll just go around and, and fumble around. But he says, if you'll start and say, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed means set apart in your thinking. So in other words, I'm just going to take a minute and everything that I need and everything that's bothering me, I'm just separating that for a moment and I'm concentrating on who you are. You are the almighty God. You are the God that heals me. You are the God that provides for me. You are the God that redeems my life from destruction. You are God and you've done everything. Now, could we talk about some of this stuff? And most of the time, you'll start to organize what you're about to talk about because what was so big to you, all of a sudden, you're like, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> we don't need to talk about that because you're God after all, right? Well, why wouldn't you have to talk about it? Because all of a sudden, you realize in his presence that that thing subtly tried to take God's place and consume you and the moment you put him first place you're like you're it that's no problem Amen. Jesus is endeavoring to make prayer powerful and a little bit easier for us to understand because we start with him and we end with him we don't start with our problem we start with him we don't even start with the solution we start with him 
hallowed be thy name. And when you understand that, something starts to happen. So just have to run over this real quick. I have to finish. All right, turn over to Psalms 34. Psalms 34. Psalms 34. Is this helping anybody? Praise the Lord. I believe we're going to have some powerful prayer going on. Some, some stuff pulled back and going, man, I see what's before me and God's in it. And though it looks big and though I might be tempted to go, oh, no, I can't do that. And when I do that, God says, no, you can't. Not without me, but with me, you can do all things. Whoo. Psalms 34, starting in verse 1. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. He says, come magnify the Lord with me. There will be something when you get into that place and start to magnify him, it'll cause your face to be radiant. Moses, when he got into the glory of God, his face shone. They had to put a veil over it. He said, he's the same God. You get in his presence, it might not come out that everybody's like, cover your face, you're so full of the glory. But your face will become radiant because there will be a new pep to your slip, a new glide to our stride. Praise the Lord. Turn over to Proverbs, the 19th chapter. He says this, The fear of the Lord leads to life, and he who has it will abide in satisfaction. He will not be visited with evil. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about the reverence of God. He said, When you come into a place, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That we, though he's our father, he's the almighty God. And we have that fear of the Lord, that awesome reverence of God. It says right here, and you can look through all of it, it says, listen, you'll abide in satisfaction. I think that's true. Paul said, I've learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. He said, there's a place when you abide with God and you reverence God and you have this reverential awe and fear of God that he's the almighty God. He could take care of anything. He could do that. And all of a sudden you're like, hmm, he's my father. I'm in this place and I'm not going to be visited by evil. It may be all around me, but it's not visiting my house. Amen. I have a couple other ones here. Let me see where I want to go. Proverbs 15. I want, to, I want to wrap this up. We may come back to some of this next week. He says, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. So he says, we come and we begin to understand and reverence God and that fear of God brings wisdom and instruction. And so he says, listen, uh, Paul said, I pray that you'd have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Well, where does that come from? The moment we begin to hallow the name of God. We begin to look at him. We begin to be in awe of him. We begin to have that reverence of him. He said, listen, wisdom starts to come to you. Wisdom starts to come to you. And I guarantee you that in the year to come and the years after that, as Jesus tarries, the church is going to need the wisdom of God. And in fact, as we begin to plan, you can turn over to Proverbs chapter 24, and he says, through wisdom a house is built. Right? Through understanding, it is established. Through knowledge, it's filled with all good and precious things. So as we look and we say, we're going to move forward, we're going to build, we're going to follow in the plans of God, he says it's going to take wisdom to really build into the future what God has really planned for you. 
And so he said, after this place, and again, we'll pick up here, but I want to get you a couple steps into it. He said, after we've stood in this place, we've hallowed his name. He said, then pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so turn over to Proverbs chapter 19. Proverbs chapter 19. Verse uh, 21 says, There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel that will stand. I want to read it from the Passion Translation. Passion Translation says this, A person may have many ideas concerning God's plan for his life, but only the designs of his purpose will succeed in the end. The Message Bible says it like this. It says, we humans keep brainstorming options and plans, but God's purpose, God's purpose prevails. So what was Jesus saying? He says, you can come up with all kinds of plans. But God says, I know the plans that I have for you. And the plans that I have for you are of good and not evil. They're of a future and a desired outcome. And so as we begin to pray into 2023 I encourage you don't wait some of you have been praying I know that some of you pray constantly but with a focus towards that I'm just asking us as a church to lay everything out before him all of our ways to commit to him allow him to show you something maybe different than you've seen before it might be the same but make sure you don't come and say God this is what I want to do this is what I see just fresh and anew say here you go I may have some plans, but I'm committing those to you because it's your purpose and your counsel that will remain forever and ever and ever. And as you do that, I'm just going to give you a word of caution. Be ready for numerous distractions to come, numerous questions, numerous ideas to start flowing, but always reel it in, take captive those thoughts and bring it back and say, I got all this stuff now, God, but I'm giving it right back to you. And then start there, and when it blows up, say, and I'm giving it right back to you. Because if it just blows up, you'll be busier than you ever thought you'd be, and you'll be frustrated. But as you keep committing it to him, not like, whoa, I got a plan from God, and then go, God brought me out here and I'm wore out and I'm busy and I'm tired. He said, because you didn't wait around to figure out the details of the plan. He said, just keep giving it back to me and what you see, I'll start to break down and give you the steps to accomplish it. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify you. I thank you that you show us things in advance. I thank you that you desire to prepare a path for us, that you already have plans in store for us individually, for us corporately as a church. You have a design for us to be influential in spheres that we may not even know about right now. You have called us to be a light. You've called us to be an influence to people around us. And we don't want our influence taken away, but we want our influence established and to be brighter than it's ever been before. Because if our influence is what you have planned, it'll be be brighter than ever before and people will come to know you and your plan of salvation for them because we've obeyed your plan so we thank you for revelation for wisdom for understanding i pray for each one that you would fill them with the knowledge of your will with wisdom and spiritual understanding that we might walk worthy of you and be fully pleasing to you becoming productive in every good work with all patience and long-suffering, with great joy, knowing that we have already been qualified to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. We've been delivered from the power of darkness and conveyed into the kingdom of your dear Son. It's in Jesus that we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sin. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for clarity and direction 
In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand up with me? Say this, we go, what God did in Christ Jesus? Far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great week.